Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague. Honesty time. Life gets in the way of podcasting. That's the simplest way of saying it. I've strived since the show began to bring you something new each and every week, but I've recently had to fly home to the East Coast to be with family for personal matters. How steady the show will be in the coming weeks has yet to be determined. But please know I always have and will continue to try my best to bring you new shows. Thank you for understanding. That being said, this week I've pulled perhaps one of my favorite interviews ever conducted over at the hit podcast, Into the Fray. For those who may not know, this multi-topic show, hosted by cryptid investigator and researcher Shannon Legro, is one of my all-time favorite shows. From time to time, I'd come on to co-host with Shannon if she was covering UFOs or aliens and give my thoughts and pose questions to the guests. But when I heard she was interviewing the people you're going to hear from today, I had to be involved. UFOs or not. For nearly two decades, Greg and Dana Newkirk have transversed North America on hundreds of paranormal adventures in search of everything from legendary monsters to mind-bending psychic phenomena covering everything in between. They've come face-to-face with Bigfoot deep in the hills of West Virginia, successfully orchestrated an alien abduction on North Carolina's mysterious Brown Mountain, and grappled with angry ghosts in a violently cursed town in Pennsylvania, to name just a few expeditions. They are also the proprietors of the world's only traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. Today we talk about some of their adventures and the haunted items they have in their possession, what they believe to be behind the activity connected to the items, and their personal experiences with the unknown. This episode is not about UFOs, and for those who may be bummed, I'm going to say right now that you will not be disappointed. Somewhere in the Skies is about more than UFOs or aliens. It's about peering into the vast unknown and hoping something will peer back. And when it comes to Greg and Dana Newkirk, something always finds a way to do exactly that. So, I hope you keep an open mind today and join us on a journey of engaging the strange with real-life Mulder and Scully, Greg and Dana Newkirk. Enjoy. 
Oh, I miss Ohio, guys. How's Ohio? <laughs> you miss Ohio? I do. I know it's so crazy, right? Until you Come leave. Uh, when you're there, though, you're like, what the hell am I doing in Ohio? We're in the shitty part of Ohio. We're in, in Cincinnati, and <laughs> it is muggy, muggy, muggy. It's oh. horrible. It's worse than when I lived in Florida. That's here. actually insane because Florida has some serious humidity. No point it. in taking a shower. It's all the worst parts of Florida without beaches and mm-hmm. Disneyland. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Ohio is a special place. Have you guys been up to Salt Fork to camp and ran into any big feats up there? We've yeah. been up yeah, there a couple just... times, but not to camp. Yeah. No, we yeah. didn't camp. We've just been for like the, the convention. Right. The, the, the old OBC. Yeah. yeah. No no big no big feats though. No. It's too hard during the that conference too because you at night when you go out to do anything you all you hear is oh. Bigfoot hunters. <laughs> it's like, nothing but yeah. <laughs> A lot of people in overalls just hollering in the woods, you know. Yep. That exactly. was pretty much it. You can never Sorry. tell if it's a... If Is that Bigfoot? Yeah. Everyone from Ohio can email me now. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. So <laughs> so many uh, Timberland boots and overalls. Okay. Anyway, I'll stop <laughs> insulting everyone. I miss Ohio. love Ohio. You're in Nevada now, though, right? Yeah, I'm back in... Oh, come on. Like, back it's, in like it's that bad. I I mean, it's... I do miss the woods. I, I miss camping. But I tell you what, those winters up there will kick your ass. And when I wake up here and it's like... You know, it's, I mean, it gets cold. We get below freezing, but it's a completely different kind of cold, and I don't need my Sorel snow boots anymore, so that's a plus. Mm. <laughs> that is a plus. I'm like, that's well, the pug needs to take a whiz, and I don't have to spend five minutes getting dressed just to take him outside to do that on a walk, so that's there nice, too. We tried to buy snow boots for the pug. That didn't go so well. He's like stomping around like Hitler, you know. I'm like, well, we'll just take those off, yeah. I love when you put boots on animals. Oh, like, man. <laughs> They have no giant idea. steps. They're they like little panic attacks. Yeah. What have you done to me? Like you humans are such assholes, man. So Greg and Dana, I wasn't I wasn't trying to do the interview probably like you've done a hundred times. I'm gonna try to skip a lot of maybe the history stuff. And I think that for the most part, if they're listening to this right now, they know who you are. But I will say this. On our Halloween episode, which you guys were kind enough to call into, I compared you guys to the modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren. As far as you collect these items and your, you, you know, you, your boots on the ground, you go out and you investigate, you do your work. I, I said on that episode too, I was like, I don't know how they're going to take that, but that's how I see them. <laughs> like I, I see it as a, a really good compliment, but I don't know how you guys label yourselves or how you take what I labeled you as with Ed and Lorraine Warren. So take it away. I'm gonna let Greg take this one. <laughs> That's a de- it's a delicate subject because yeah. it's it's equal parts like flattering and equal parts kind of uh, nerve wracking because you know I I would like I always answer hopefully ah God it's so it's so hard to put it delicately mm-hmm. hopefully with a better reputation mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I totally understand her. yeah. But uh, I think that's I mean that's that's fair I can see why people would say that I mean. You know, don't know too many husband wife teams who go out and chase monsters and right. have a museum you know, of have a museum of haunted stuff. objects. And we're a little less religious, though. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you guys Just, aren't actually going out and, and exercising folks and whatnot. Oh, not oh, yet. No. Anyway, yeah, I was going to say, are you guys working up to that? No, we haven't. No. We haven't run into that situation yet. Thankfully, we're going to be the ones who need the exorcisms. Yeah, because you know when you watch the movies. The Conjuring, Conjuring Two, the uh, those parts are very dramatic, and from what it looked like, what Lorraine went through, you're going, well, God, I don't want any part of that ever. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people. I mean, who've been around a long time where 
it was advantageous for them to to make things a little more scary than they might have actually been mm-hmm. or to have the people the family a little more freaked out than they might have been because that would have resulted in a, a really great book or a really great movie eventually so i don't know i don't think i don't think jumping to the conclusion where all of the hauntings are is, is super scary things mm-hmm. is really the best place to take it you know, one of the things that Dane and I are always talking about is how most hauntings, you know, if they're not something that's residual, they're trying to get people to realize something. They're trying to 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 talk to us in a way. And it's scary because the only way they can they can communicate with us is in ways that are, are unnatural, that shouldn't be happening. And so we get scared. But most of the time, I think there's a story to be told. And a lot of these things, they don't they're not out to steal your mortal soul. They're just trying to find some peace. Right. And they're probably just as scared as you are as the witness (laughs) absolutely i don't know what's going on either our our friend john tenney always will tell this story during his one of his lectures and it's sort of a an interesting piece of advice that i think everybody should really bring with them when when doing any kind of paranormal research and he often talks about how people uh sometimes in haunted buildings they'll experience scratches Mm -hmm. or they'll experience having their hair tugged or their they'll you know being pulled on or pushed and sort of from his perspective, he'll often say, like, could you imagine if you were dead and you've spent X amount of time building up energy to reach out to the living and try to make some kind of contact with them? And in the process, you accidentally scratch them or push them or tug on their hair or do something that could potentially be kind of misconstrued as evil or violent when really it was sort of accidental. It wasn't necessarily meant to be this violent act. It was meant to be your your way of being able to kind of reach out and make contact. That's kind of, I mean, it's one of the things that Greg and I... everyone screams, demons! Demons! But, I mean, Greg, <laughs> Greg and I have always felt exactly the same way. Is really constantly been part of our rule book when doing any kind of paranormal investigation. How often do you guys think, as far as when you're on location, have you ever got the feeling that, in fact, you weren't dealing with a human spirit that is around you and it is something else like a a demon i mean it's hard to classify it as as a demon just because of the religious connotations but i i think that you know there have been several times where i've been somewhere where i can say whatever was there was malevolent yes it it, it was not nice and it was doing things that weren't nice whether or not that's because it's an agent of satan or not i'll leave that up to the clergy i have been in situations where i i was pretty sure that what was there was uh, did not have the best intentions. But mm-hmm. I think that's exceedingly rare. Yeah, they were saying, I've, I've listened to plenty of podcasts where they're like, the actual instances of where someone needs an exorcism because there's a, some kind of demonic entity in them is so few and far between. And I don't know how often the church actually goes out on these things or what kind of... Mm-hmm. You know, you watch the movies, they they have to get permission, right, from the Vatican to get exorcisms right. performed or whatever. But, boy, it'd be nice to be a fly on the wall and see what the uh, what the bullet yeah. points are for stuff like that until they go, okay, we might have a problem here. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it all depends, too, on, on, you know, what religious sect it is. I mean, you know, because Catholics are only one of many who do exorcisms. You know, there's, you know... Buddhists do exorcisms. There's all kinds of, of ways to cleanse people of, a, of an evil spirit or cleanse buildings of an evil spirit, uh, so-called evil spirit. 
And it just really depends on, I mean, it's all the same. It all comes down to the same thing. It's just people that are focusing their intentions on ridding this place of a specific feeling or, or entity. And I don't, I don't even think you have to be religious to do that. I think you can do that just by feeling it strongly enough or calling in a group of people who will feel that intention strongly enough to drive this thing out. And I mean, it, it's really, I think it all just comes down to your, your intentions is all it is. And I want to get back to your haunted items, but I have one last question kind of in the same vein that we're talking about. When we're talking about poltergeist activity, you always will hear someone say, well, it's a, a teenage girl and she's going through puberty and she's the one causing the activity. What's the thinking behind that? What do you guys feel on that? I think that's really just a, another one of those, you know, it's the heightened hormones. Uh, and I don't think it always is just a young girl. I think that a lot of people who are haunted are haunting themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it comes down to how much intention and willpower you're putting into the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with kids, they don't they don't always understand what's happening. They don't always understand that it's going it's going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've we've dealt with cases before where I'm I'm positive that the only reason that that a certain house is haunted is because the people really wanted it to be haunted mm-hmm. and they were just feeding it. Mm-hmm. I mean it can even I think that it can even be connected to kind of the emotional state of of a family or or a group of people like if if they're in sort of you know a bad place and there is a lot of kind of negative emotions or just heightened emotions kind of being pumped out into an environment a lot of the times they that will often kind of be associated with poltergeist like activity as well well and that's where the 13 year old girl thing comes in you know Mm -hmm. they're going through puberty they've got heightened emotions they're they're really really emotional Mm -hmm. and it's just oozing off of them and Mm -hmm. because of that it just you know it, it just amps up the energy in the place and that can result in depending on how you want to look at it that can result in maybe you manifesting a ghost or maybe you're drawing them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's kind of gets strange with these kind of weird manifestations is you don't know if you're the one creating them or if there's something is something's drawn to this energy that you're putting out. Oh, interesting. Uh, I actually have a question to sort of tie into that, guys. Have you have you ever interviewed kids? I mean, like uh, prepubescent or even teenagers when you've been out on investigations. And if you have, have you seen like sort of if the parents were of any sort of influence on them answering your questions has that ever come up like maybe they see it completely different you know they're supposed to be innocent and um they might have a completely different perception of what's going on in the house other than the parent it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because there was a time where uh my my previous ghost hunting team and I were uh, at an old farmhouse that was in um, Ontario, Canada, and the, and the house itself was really haunted. And a similar sort of situation like that happened where we had spent a lot of time with the mother and the father, and they sort of told us their, their version of the story, which was uh, a very frightening. And then when their son, when, when I actually sat down and kind of interviewed their son, he sort of explained the same story, but it seemed a little bit less frightening, almost as if... Uh, the adults sort of were looking at it with that in mind. They, they thought, okay, this stuff is happening in our house. That's terrifying. And it has to be something negative. And the child was sort of like, this stuff's happening in our house, but I don't necessarily feel like it's something that's bad. So yeah, I mean, that was an interesting thing where it was sort of like, it, it was interesting to separate them and be able to kind of see 
the two different age groups, what what each of them were experiencing, even though they were all experiencing the same kind of phenomena. Gotcha. All right. So taking it back to the haunted items, how many haunted items do you guys have in your possession? I think last count was, I want to say like 136. Yeah, so I think something like some, that. 137 maybe. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I just it got shipped a lot. <laughs> It wasn't always this much, but we started officially doing the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult three years ago. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's every time we do an event, there's people just come and they, they give us stuff. Mm-hmm. Or we'll have we have a post office box and it's just always getting stuff. Um, <laughs> so before that, there was there was far less. I mean, we had a lot of stuff, more than uh, – I, I want to say more than most normal people might have, but I don't think most <laughs> normal people have, have yeah. these things. But it's uh, the the number is growing exponentially every year. So I'm curious on when you take possession of an item and you walk it into your house. Is there a certain process? Is there a blessing you do over it? Do you I don't put salt around it? You know some of these um, techniques that we've seen or or heard about. What do you guys do with them? Usually, I mean, we kind of stick to the same sort of checklist that we'll go through when we first receive an object. And it's a lot of just documenting what it physically looks like, because we've actually had objects that have sort of changed shape and color as we've had them. So (laughs) that's a a process that we kind of go through where we'll take, we'll photograph it. We will kind of obsessively video it. We'll uh, make sure that we know exactly what it was like when it came to the museum. And the only real a quote unquote ritual that we go through. Uh, and it sounds super silly, but it, it most of the time it works. We sit down with the object and we plainly and calmly say, we're giving you a place to live. Uh, if somebody else found you, you might end up in a bonfire or they would bury you or throw you in the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to give you some of our space, respect our space. We'll respect you and we'll have a good relationship. And most of the time that's enough to take care of it. There are a few cases, rare cases, where things will require some more precautions or we'll have to put something in its own box. Uh, occasionally there's there's kosher salt involved. <laughs> certain things respond to certain uh, iconography differently. But most of the time we try our best not to not to make enemies with something that that, that might not really care for what we have to say to it. We try and keep things as, as peaceful as possible. And you don't, you don't curse at it or throw things at we it did. like some of the other folks like to do, get things really riled up. Well, generally, they do that at us. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how you know it's a really good item, right? right. I just uh, I don't like the idea of making enemies with something that could possibly be timeless and yeah. uh, you know come, come back at the worst possible moment to remind me of the time I decided to... <laughs> Pretend I was I was more important or powerful than it. Right. Yeah. I, I always go back to the poor guy in uh, in Poltergeist when he's standing in the mirror and he's ripping his own oh, face no. off, you know, and you're like, oh, we don't need visions <laughs> uh, like that. Nothing quite that bad yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. <laughs> I was just going to play off of that. Have you guys ever had someone ask for an item back? No, not I yet. I don't think we ever have. No. Like, Most you know, people... They want to get rid of it, I assume. Some of the objects that we have, I mean, everything in the museum is donated. And some of the objects we have are are sort of on, they're not permanent. So someone will send us something for a couple years or for a period of time to kind of study it. And then eventually they'll, they'll ask for it back. But I don't think we've ever had anyone kind of 
say, okay, I need to have this thing back. Yeah. One of the, one of the qualifiers is always, cause people ask us, you know, where, where have you bought your stuff? And and we say, we don't buy it. That's yeah. one of mm-hmm. our rules because, you know, people are always saying they, I saw this haunted doll on eBay. Uh, generally most people who have a real haunted object are more than happy to get rid of it for free. <laughs> if you're being right. charged for it, it is probably a scam as, as well as the fact that buying and selling things in exchanging money for something is one of the oldest cleansing rituals in the world. It's meant to cleanse ownership. So actually paying for something that has a, a, an entity attached to it is probably the quickest way to <laughs> to exercise that entity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a lot of the time why people will buy a haunted house and all of a sudden it's not haunted anymore. And there's different reasons for that. I mean, it could be a lot of a lot of hauntings again comes back to the idea of intent and connection. Uh, a lot of of haunted objects that they've been given to us with these really big stories, but they've never acted up because I think that the trigger for those is the the household it was in, the area it was in, the people that that owned it, mm-hmm. or even the again, like we were saying before, even the emotional state that was happening, you know, with those people at the time, that can even be a trigger in and of itself. Anyway, yeah. long story short, don't buy haunted don't objects because you're getting scammed. <laughs> Have you guys, and this is a question for each one of you, is there an object that really bothers you, Greg, or really bothers you, Dana, that you just, you will not mess with no matter what, or maybe the second you took a look at it, you're like, nope, this one, uh, this one of me are not good friends. Probably the same mm, one for both I think, of us. yeah, I think we probably have the same It's the crone. If, if, I, if you ask me, mm. it'd be the crone. It's the only, one of the only, it's like we have three objects in the museum that we don't let people touch or handle, and this is one of them. And uh, the, immediately, the, the day that it showed up, uh, we started having really strange things happen. And it was one of those ones that wouldn't cooperate even after we had the conversation with it. And uh, I know I know that it won't end until we, we we've been able to stop a lot of the weird activity. And and it was it was at one point looking like it was going to be dangerous. And I know it's not going to end until we take it back to wherever it was taken from. Uh, it's a it's a carved hand carved statue that was found in the Catskill Mountains by a couple hikers, and they decided to take it home. And it looks terrifying. Like when you look at it and you go, "I would never take this thing home." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got yeah. rusty nails driven into the eyes. It has a noose around its neck, mm-hmm. and they said uh, the one guy said, "We're not taking this." The other guy's like, "No way! This thing's awesome. We're taking it home." <laughs> it was it was moving from where they put it. They were starting to get this overwhelming smell of pond water. They, I mean, full full body apparitions of like uh, an old nude woman in their living room. Oh no! Oh yeah, uh, wet footprints, muddy footprints mm-hmm. that walked through the house. They couldn't figure out where they were coming from. The dogs were <laughs> acting strange, and it got to the point where they they just couldn't handle it anymore. And weirdly, serendipitously, one of the PAs from Finding Bigfoot was reading this Reddit thread uh, while he was on uh, on break. And he just spent a week in a van with us listening to all of our stories. And he said, you got to get a hold of these guys. And they asked for advice. I said, you need to take it back. You need to apologize. They said, apologize to who? I said, it doesn't matter. Apologize to the cave. <laughs> yeah. Apologize to the object. To the entity, back out of the cave, and hope that that was enough. They wouldn't do it. Uh, they were afraid to go back. And so I said, fine, here's my post office box. Send it in. The day that it arrived, uh, we left it alone in the office. And we heard a crash in the office a few hours later. Walked in, 
And I couldn't figure out what was wrong because everything looked the same until I almost stepped on Jesus, which had been pulled off of a crucifix that was hanging up right above the crone and the chair we'd left it in. And it was just his single arm swinging. (laughs) And uh, so I said, "Okay, we have to capture this thing doing this. And we set up a trail camera and it took us about three weeks. But eventually between the hours of three and four in the morning, the camera triggered three times. The photos were very strange. There were some weird light anomalies that were actually giving off their own light. You can see them giving off light as they float around the room. And that was as strange as it was until we stitched the pictures together. And when you stitch them together, you can actually see the crone moves by itself. Uh, It's not very far, but it's enough to notice that it, it did move by itself. Nothing else moves. And then after that was when things started to get really scary because... Uh, we started to to smell the strong scent of pod water. Um, there was a, a constant feeling of this this oppressive energy. And one night, Dana calls me from the living room and says, "Why were you standing on the back of the couch?" And it, I, it was the strangest oh. thing. I, I like there were two perfectly formed human footprints that were wet, literally standing right on the back of the couch. And I thought wow. at first, I thought. Did he like take a shower and then change a light bulb or like what is going <laughs> right. on here? Like I, my brain was just trying to rationalize right. everything because if it had been in the living or in the kitchen, I would have been like, OK, it's water from the sink or if it had been in the bathroom, same thing. But it was two perfect footprint shapes standing right on the back of our couch. Oof. And it was just the weirdest thing that I mean, I could have found at that point in time. Yeah. Cats started acting weird, and eventually it just got to the point where I said, okay, all right, well, let's have the talk again. And we, we, as we were having the discussion, we heard uh, the sound of rushing water coming from the other side of the, of the house. Mm. And we just dealt with a burst pipe. And anyone who's ever dealt with a burst pipe knows that it is an absolute nightmare. It's, it's horrible. And I thought, oh, no, not again. And we both jumped up, and we rushed to the other side of the house, but there's nothing there. There's there's no sound of brushing water. Instead, we hear in the living room, we hear this thump and then thump, 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 thump. And we walk back into the living room. The crone is gone. It's not on the coffee table where we left it. I'm looking all over to see where this thing is. It had rolled off of the coffee table under the television stand. And so I walk over and I, I, I get down on my hands and knees and I'm reaching under the coffee table or under the, uh, the television stand. And I hear Dana scream, and I look up, and the television is tipping over onto my head. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Dana runs over, and she grabs the TV, and... Uh, Luckily, it didn't land on him. Yeah, <laughs> just just keeps it from landing on my head. And that's when I said, all right, if this is how it's going to be, then we're going to lock you up, and you're going to stay locked up. And immediately, as soon as I'd finished saying it, there were three just loud booms that sounded like they were coming from inside the wall. Just boom, boom, boom. I said, fine, that's it. And so now it stays locked up. No one touches it. Uh, You know, occasionally we'll still get that strong smell. And I know that it won't end until we take it back because it it wants to be back where where it was taken from. And Mm -hmm. uh, it won't stop until then, I'm sure. And when you say locked up, it's in a glass case, like in a closet or? Oh, no, it's it's in a a wooden. We have a wooden case with a big padlock on it. It gets wrapped up in a cloth. Uh, Wow. Yeah, occasionally we'll throw a little a little salt or holy water in there if it starts to get nasty. But it um, tried to drop your TV on your head. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's oh my god. 
<laughs> so after that, we thought, yeah, this thing's not going to cooperate. Uh, and, you know, I, I like I said, I really don't take doing things like that very lightly because, I, again, I don't think making uh, supernatural enemies is probably the wisest thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now that it's locked up, though, you said occasionally you smell pond water. Do you still hear booms and, and things like that in your house? It has it's never been that pronounced yeah. since then. Wow. You know, occasionally it, and it gets I mean, it gets hard to figure out what's what around here sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Most of it's pretty, pretty benign. Uh, you know, we see some of a lot of the same things and usually you can kind of tell what what it is that's to blame. But it's uh, the pond water is generally when it gets really, really strong. We know that it just it's reminding us you need to take me take me home. Yeah, I was watching your live feed today. And I know that the Idol of Nightmares is on there right now live. And if anyone hasn't checked that out, you guys have that running 24-7. And how often do you switch those guys out? And my next question is, I'm assuming it would be a stupid question, but has the crone ever been live on camera before? We actually did. We we gave her, I think we did like four or five days. Yeah. And it I was, remember that. It was crazy. I, I mean, some it. of the evidence... That at one point we were we thought okay well let's introduce some trigger objects just to see if you know any we'll capture anything different, and we set uh, we have a a coffin nail that has been used in in loads of uh, voodoo rituals, so we set this coffin nail next to the crone. We actually propped it right up against the crone, and I think it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. The camera, if if the camera senses any kind of like heat or any sort of movement, it instantly will send us uh, a notification to our phones, letting us know that something is moving. And it's oh, ca- wow. it's it's not just like airing; it's ca- it's recording the whole time as well. So we can go back and look at all that footage. And it was this this rusty nail leaning up against the crone, and it looks like it gets kind of flicked off of it because it, it sort of has like a a moment where it. it flies up into the air and and not not like it doesn't just tumble over and kind of roll so it was mm. i mean that was a really interesting thing that happened and people were writing in oh, to right. report yeah. that as they were watching the crone they were getting strange activity mm-hmm. in their own homes uh and that hasn't really happened with any of the other objects we've had on display mm-hmm. it was mostly uh, that one and, and it was like half a dozen people wow. were saying mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm seeing things is is this going to last forever how long is this going to last what did i do i think someone even wrote in to tell us that they did smell like oh, yeah. musty water yep oh wow <laughs> yeah so we, we try and change them up like once a week um but we've had the idol we call him billy because he's an idol we've had, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, for uh like three weeks now just because uh, we've been we've just been super busy and we haven't had time mm-hmm. to figure out what's what's next. But we'll have we normally have them changed like once a week and we try and do new stuff all the time. You know, guys, there's there's times where like I'll try to remember my masculinity and I will look <laughs> at the photo, Greg, of um, the Black Mirror, and you know I. <laughs> I might be one whiskey in or so, but I'll always stare into the photo of the Black Mirror just to see if anything happens. Yeah, does that work the same? <laughs> yeah, we had, we had people up. when it was absolutely yeah. when it was on really? the live feed. There were people who were saying reporting different things, yes. all of them, yeah. seeing different things in the mirror. So, and I, they were also experiencing like headaches and yeah. kind of like, like uh, nausea. Na- and, yeah, but even uh, if you look at a, a a picture of you holding it. People have reported strange things with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, in the, in the question is how much of that is the power of suggestion and mm-hmm. how much exactly. of it is 
Because I, I um, heard you guys say um, to Jim on Euphemet that you neither one of you have looked into the Black Mirror, right? No, no. never done it. <laughs> no, nope. oh, wow. again, it's, it's kind of that like you know we don't want to create any kind of emotional yeah connection with many of the things that we have because it that's sort of how we. It's yeah, the, except it's, Billy. It, except Billy. <laughs> yeah, of course not Billy. <laughs> but I yeah. Mean, yeah. So uh, we both of us haven't looked in the mirror at all. And yeah. it, you know, I mean, it, it lives in our house, and yes, it's <laughs> like, yeah, like you're close enough, right? You're like that's enough. You know, one of the reasons I don't want to look into it is because I, I can never shake the feeling that it wants me to look into it, mm-hmm. which is why I don't want to do it. But your cats won't uh, even I mean, look into it, right? That's what you had mentioned as well. well no, the, no, the cats refuse. We thought because it used to be on display. When we're not on the road, it's just on display in our our house. The the mirror was always on display, but we always kept it covered. It was given to us with this uh, this uh, like handkerchief that was kept over it. And I would notice that it started to uncover itself at night. And mm. I thought it's got to be the cats. They're just messing with it. The cats would go nowhere near it. I'd try to show it to them, and they would run and hide for like an hour because they wanted nothing to do with this thing. So it wasn't the cats that was uncovering it. And I'd even catch myself sitting on the couch. And I would just kind of be staring in, in this general direction. And I'd realize, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> and the cover would be off. It's like calling so to you. I, yeah, I, that's why I don't want to look into it. I don't know. I don't think I need to see anything it wants to show me. I don't Yeah, Well, it's like the old quote, guys. I mean, if you stare into the void long enough, something's going to yeah. stare back. You know, it's really funny. We were just uh, maybe like half an hour before we jumped on the call. We were going through EVPs that we'd collected over the last like half a dozen events we've done. And one of them that had must have just missed us. Somebody in the crowd asks... They ask the entity in the mirror. They say, you know, where where are you from? And it says, clear as a bell, it says, uh, from hell. Ooh. Oh, my goodness gracious. All righty then. Yeah, you're like, yep, that'll do it for that. That kind of. <laughs> yeah. That's why we don't look into that mirror. Well, I know Ryan's got some questions for you guys. Take it away, Ryan. Well, I kind of I, I, I love reading the articles that you guys do. They're so insightful, extensive. It's clear you've done your research. Um, and I wanted to talk about a couple of them that really stood out to me. I think the most recent one was this guy, Mike in Kentucky, who's he's offering special effects services to haunt houses. Am, am I am I reading this correctly what is this guy doing like is he he seems to be enemy number one now for paranormal yes. investigators could you oh, yeah. sort of run this through for us what exactly this guy mike is doing this guy is a professional special effects artist uh he's from the louisville area and he normally works with uh haunted houses like um, the fake kind the fake kind yes okay. and uh he's uh he's also a magician um, he's, he's, uh, clearly, he clearly knows his stuff when it comes to special effects. And I noticed on his website the other day that he was offering haunt services where he would go to allegedly haunted locations and he and his team would uh, covertly sneak into ghost hunting groups, uh, as guests as like they were paying guests, they'd arrive in unmarked vans and they claimed that they could do everything from, uh, showing apparitions, making apparitions appear that would appear and disappear in front of guests' eyes. Uh, they could they, manipulate ghost hunting devices. They could. I think they even said at one point they could make people feel ill. Yeah, it could make a whole group to. of... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. People feel ill at the same what? time. Uh, so a lot of things that are, are commonly associated with, with hauntings. And uh, that he was offering this service uh, tailored to whatever whatever haunted locations wanted to hire him to do it, both private and public. And he wow. also claims that there, he has many clients already. He, that he's, he he's, told me he's done at least two dozen successfully so far for both big and small clients. Hmm. I, I have to ask why? Like, what's his intention? I mean, obviously, money <laughs> um, being the number one <laughs> thing. Um, but what what is he... What does he think to gain from this? It seems like, I don't know. I don't know. What, what is his motivation? You said you talked to him. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw that he was offering the service, I, I had to reach out and see if he'd do an interview with me. And I thought he would shirk me. But no, he was he was all too happy to talk. Uh, and he said, you know, his reasoning for doing it is, again, you know, one, money. But two, he sees it as a challenge. And it's it's hard to disagree with him when he says if ghost hunters are, are worth their salt, they will know that something's okay. not right. And they'll know that someone's behind it. The okay. problem is, you know, newer ghost hunters who have no idea that this is this can happen aren't mm-hmm. probably aren't very good at what they're doing so far. You know, if they go in and they experience all this stuff and they start to try and pass that off as as real evidence, you know, it's it's not exactly the best thing for <laughs> for the paranormal community. Yeah. And also, I think, well, really, the bottom line is once sort of a light was put on the fact that he's actually doing this, it's made a lot of people really paranoid about the locations that they're already investigating. Right. Like, mm-hmm. are is it a place that I've been? Is it, you know, could it, yes, be, my could it be some bunk. of the big ones? Like those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of a weird, uh, it's a weird situation because I think Mike is probably one of the only people who's just talking about the fact that he's doing it. And I, I've heard a lot. I mean, as soon as I, I published the article, I was getting inboxed by people who say, oh, I know that this location does it. And I know that this location does it. And I can prove it by, by doing this. And so, uh, you know, people were dropping big names, names of really wow. big places. 
it's it's going to be something that I think we're going to have to worry about in the in especially in the ghost hunting community a lot more uh, in the coming years because uh, I think I think we're getting ready to have another. There's kind of these these weird ebbs and flows in in paranormal entertainment, and I think we're about ready to go into another one where there's going to be a lot of new ghost hunting shows and there's going to be a mm-hmm. lot of new interest in the paranormal mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of unscrupulous businesses will probably yeah. try and profit off of it. I mean, so. yeah, all you would really have to do at that point would be to buy a building that you could kind of attach a story to. Right. Have this guy come in and basically, you know, have all of your fake paranormal activity going on and you could be making a lot of money from it. Yep. Exactly. Mike better hope that nobody posts his address on Reddit or something, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, his his phone number is listed. I mean, I mean, you can he he actually told me I was like, you know, do you have any any photos? And I was like, you know, I'll blur your face. He's like, you don't have to do that. Wow. I was like, I don't care. Like, he's really? like, like <laughs> you sure? no, he doesn't care at all. He's didn't he say something about that he would only give up the list if if police sort of like? Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, he's, yeah. He said I will only you know there I will never reveal who I work with. Unless the police come knocking with a warrant. So, ah, oh, man, you kind of have to respect the guy. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, it's extremely disheartening for the paranormal community. Well, he compares himself to Houdini, but I think his motives are far less altruistic than yeah. <laughs> Houdini's were. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dana, I wanted to bring up another article that I read of yours. Um, you actually researched a modern witch trial in Mm -hmm. the early 80s um, with Carol Compton. Uh, Could you tell us a little about this story? This really intrigued me that even today there was a trial about someone who was supposedly practicing witchcraft. Yeah, Carol Compton was a a young woman. uh, I think she was Scottish and she met an Italian man and fell in love with him. And he decided to bring her to Italy and she got a job as a nanny and It was a very religious family, and some of the family members claimed that every time she would walk past a religious object, it would sort of fall off the wall or it would tumble over onto the ground. And this continued happening, and and it coupled with uh, her going on vacation with them and a small fire starting while they were on vacation. And so the family eventually, they, they didn't want to deal with it, and they fired her, and she got another job as a nanny. And the same types of things started happening uh, with the second family. Unfortunately, the fire that started with the second family was uh, a lot bigger than the first one. And it was actually in one of the, uh, I think it was the daughter's bedroom. And it nearly burned the entire house down. And the police that showed up and the fire uh, men that showed up recognized her from the first fire. And uh, she was instantly arrested. And they kept her in jail for, I think, about a year and a half uh, waiting for the trial and it became this massive media story about this woman who the media sort of dubbed as a witch. And uh, she never accepted or, or, you know, admitted to the fact that she was a witch. She never she wouldn't even say that she was the one starting the fires. Did but it, it, what what was the, the who was the paranormal investigator that tried to get involved? It was in the case? was Maurice Gross. It wasn't Gross. Oh, no, it was, it was Guy Line Playfair. He, yeah, from he, Enfield. He really. Oh, really, wow. Yeah, he desperately tried to kind of get involved because he sort of, you know, felt bad for her that 
she had been painted, you know, in this really evil light that that she had the ability to. He do thought all it was this. just some like latent psychokinetic yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but she was really adamant about not having him involved because she sort of really just wanted to say a hundred percent, I don't want to have any attachments to the paranormal because I don't, I don't want this to, you know, change the way that people are looking at me. So, uh, yeah, she, the, the entire trial went on and it was just madness. Like they, they kept her in an iron cage in the courtroom because the, the, everyone in the courtroom was so terrified of her ability her psychic and, you know, paranormal abilities that they thought, you know, we'll keep her in this iron cage so she can't do anything crazy. And, uh, she, I think that she was charged with. They found her guilty of arson, arson. even but, though uh, even though there was no evidence. Yeah, there, and the interesting thing is, like the forensics people even said that the fires started in a unnatural way. That hmm. it, you know, that it wasn't that someone had like a book of matches and they were like starting a fire that way. They they couldn't really explain why these fires were starting. Yeah, so she she. But they released her because she'd basically served her time. Yes, she had done. Yes, she had served her time and she was released. And obviously, like anyone would, she instantly booked it back to Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think she moved to America. She did eventually. She lives in America and I think she just put a book out. She did. Too long ago. Yeah. She, uh, she, you know, sort of saying it was basically her perspective on the entire thing and about how for a short period of time, the country kind of in in the early 80s, which is crazy became obsessed with the idea that this poor woman was uh, a witch that was trying to kill children and torment families. And, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane when you think that it was like 1983, I think. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. You don't ever think of modern stuff like that. You always just think of mass. But I mean, at the same time, you know, there's that kind of stuff going on in Africa. Like to this day, you know, there's people being hacked apart because they're, they're, uh, you know, albino people mm-hmm. are being mm-hmm. are being killed because their parts are are magic ritual pieces right so you know it's it's happening it's just crazy to imagine it happening in a place you know that's like supposed to be civilized yeah right <laughs> something tells me she's not going to be babysitting again <laughs> mm, <laughs> no. i was surprised she got the second nanny job to be honest yeah. with you. i was like oh really okay it's a, yeah it's a tainted resume it. Yeah. <laughs> Hobbies. Uh, oh, witchcraft, you know. You know, the normal special skills. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one of the other articles, guys, that really caught my attention was the uh, black head, black hen, excuse me, uh, planchet from the Ouija board. So this thing burst into flames, if I'm correct. Allegedly. An, allegedly. And an exorcist was called in. What, what, what? What is this? This is an object you have in your possession, correct? Mm-hmm. This is one that uh, we got about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. We had, uh, we were, I forget where we were, but we were talking about the museum and some of the items that we had. And a woman gets a hold of us uh, after this interview and says, I have something that you guys might like and it might be a good addition. Uh, I can go and dig it up if you'd like. And so, of course, you know, we we had to know what this thing was. And this woman told us the story about how when she was a lot younger, this was uh, back in the 90s, uh, her and her brother went out to Bachelors Grove Cemetery, which uh, is it's a legendary haunted location. Uh, there's a really famous photograph of the, the Madonna of Bachelors Grove. It's this, this ghostly woman sitting on a, mm. on a tombstone. And this was a place where there were all these rumors that the mob from uh, Chicago used to dump their bodies in this pond nearby. Uh, and so her and her brother went out there to speak to the dead mobsters. 
And as they were out there, her and her brother and a friend, uh, they'd snuck out. They're in the cemetery. It was in a bad area. And, and they start to notice strange things. There's there's uh, shadow people walking around. And the, the planchette would only spell out black hen, black hen, over and over and over. And then the board started to smoke. And caught on fire and they freaked out and they ran away as you do and came back the next day to collect the board because they couldn't believe what happened. And when they found the board, the board is half burned. The planchette is melted and twisted. And they said, holy crap, we need to show our parents. And they took it home and they showed their parents. Their parents got furious because not only had they snuck out, but they went to a really bad part of town and they were sick of these kids playing with the Ouija board. It was something they did all the time. Mm-hmm. And so they threw it in the trash, grounded the kids, and that was that. Except the next morning, they woke up, and the board and the planchette are in the middle of the living room. Ashes everywhere. They blamed it on the dog, threw it in the trash, and took the trash out to the garage. Of course, the next day, it's back in the living room. After this happened, they started to experience, uh, you know, strange knocks on the wall. The brothers started to get strange nosebleeds. All of their fire alarms would start to go off in sequence. A lot of really, really strange things. And it got so bad that uh, I think it was less than a month. They decided to seek some religious intervention and they weren't really church going people. They didn't know who to who to get uh, in to do something like this. So uh, their mother called their grandmother and she suggested her uh, her priest or her bishop at uh, the, it was a Roman Orthodox church or Greek Orthodox church. And he came by and did an exorcism on this place that ended with him taking this planchette, uh, wrapping it up, blessing it, and burying it in their backyard. And uh, it sat there for 20, 25 years. And then she dug it up and sent it to us. Wow. And, uh, wow. So far, nothing too crazy. It's, it's you know, the only time we've ever really heard anything was we have a little glass case. And, and occasionally, it sounds like maybe it's moving around in the case. But it's never been anything more than that. I would love to be in you guys' home and just, you know, have nothing on, no TV, no radio, and just sit on the couch and just listen for things. Well, <laughs> we'd see how long it would take before everybody's huddled in one room together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you guys feel like, you, you know, I mean, if you're home, do you ever feel strange where you're like, oh, I really would like to have the TV on or, or, or have some music on or something? Do you ever feel like that? Or is that, I mean, you're just used David to it by now. Test. Yes, that's, I mean... We sleep with the television we do. on every night. It's, do you really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to. We would never get any sleep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's always something. I mean, it, and it, again, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's mostly benign. It's, it's never anything mm-hmm. that really is bothersome. And I think yeah. that because we've, we've set these, this precedent where we said, we're going to share our space. We want to understand you. We want to help you. Because of that, I think a lot of these things take it easy on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are other things, again, like the crone where it has to be it has to be locked up and it's not something that will play nice with other things. And we are going to have to take it back. We're going to have to try and take it home. Is there and, a and trip you know, scheduled for that or? 
the, the problem is, so the guys who found it, uh, I only spoke to them on Reddit, and they had made a throwaway account. It was the one guy. He'd made a throwaway uh, account. Okay. And I've tried to contact him at least a dozen times since then, and I get absolutely no response. Oh so my, my hope God. is that eventually he'll log into that someday, and I'm sure he's going to be just overwhelmed with the responses right. and, and will get back to me because – while I know the general area it was found, without their help, it's going to yeah. take a lot of footwork right. yeah. to figure out exactly where it is. And we would never is. want to like accidentally bring it to the wrong place and sort of right. just leave yeah. it there. Right. Yeah. You know, the other problem, too, is if we, if we like, you know, the idea is mm-hmm. we can leave it where it is, but the that problem is mean I, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't want to put too many details about where we think this thing's from online because I know it'll happen. If we take it back, someone else will just go looking for it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Course. And and yeah. then who knows? Maybe that maybe it'll still continue to happen to us mm-hmm. because we didn't do anything yeah. correctly. We didn't. Yeah, exactly. Or the people who took it will go you, back and <laughs> they'll be the ones who have to deal or, with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Does it perpetuate everything? Because isn't the Catskills just covered with caves and and holes oh, and little? Yeah, that would be a that would be a tall order to find the right place. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the place where it was found, you know, and Dane and I have different opinions on what this thing was created for. I mean, it's clear looking at it, it probably wasn't very nice, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the the location it was found, I mean, it's it has some ties to to old school witchcraft. Mm. You know, a lot of the buildings in that area are you know colonial buildings that still have spikes in the chimneys to keep the witches from crawling down at night. Okay. I didn't know that that was like sort of the, you know, the symbology of the spikes. That's interesting. I think my my impression is I really do think that whoever created this thing, uh, I think it's been used multiple times for multiple purposes, probably by multiple people uh, who use the cave as a ritual space. And I think that they were probably calling upon the spirit of a witch uh, or or who they believe was a witch to do their bidding some way or or some form. I think that it was possibly made sort of the same way that we would kind of put gargoyles on the outside of buildings oh, sort of like wrong. like <laughs> i think this, i think there's the cave was probably definitely being used by some kind of magical practitioner uh and maybe the the statue itself was sort of sort of put there to ward off other people or uh evil spirits or anything really and sort of and these guys wandered in and took this thing which is kind of like the equivalent of sort of desecrating a church or something like that just trying to imagine what was going on in that cave is is witchcraft that might create the crone for whatever reason is that usually tied to some kind of a blood sacrifice like killing a chicken or a whatever in that cave at the same time I mean, it absolutely could be. Uh, I mean, that's part of the problem is we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what the purpose was or who put it there. Yeah. You know, we don't know what exactly they were practicing. A lot of people look at it and they think, well, that's probably some kind of a, a voodoo. But I really don't think that's the case because, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, the Catskill Mountains have a deep voodoo history. Right. right. <laughs> but I think it's probably more some kind of uh, Appalachian folk magic. Mm-hmm. going on and uh you know that that does occasionally call for you know some kind of a blood sacrifice you know we we we've sprayed it with luminol and it hasn't lit lit up so there's probably no blood on it thank so god at least there's that <laughs> yeah really can can not that this may even be uh applicable for any reason but have you guys maybe thought about dating it or or 
seeing what the age of it is. I don't like I said, I don't know if that even really matters, but that's something that we've tried to do. And what's interesting is the carving itself is clearly the oldest piece of yeah. it. Uh, it's it's pretty weathered. It's been out there for a while, but the nails are a little bit newer, hmm. so they're not quite as old as the wood. And the noose is even newer than the nails. Mm, Which yeah. kind of is why it leads me to believe that this piece, for whatever reason, has been used numerous times, mm-hmm. probably for different purposes. Through different people. Yeah, it could be something reason. through generations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh. it's like being built upon each time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Greg, while you didn't have a TV fall on your head, thank God, um, you did have a pretty interesting experience at the Ohio State Reformatory. And yeah. I thought this would be a good way to, uh, to end the conversation. You've got to <laughs> tell us about this, man. Um, it's rare to find evidence of paranormal activity in real time, but you had a very visceral experience. So could you tell us a little about what that experience was and how it changed your beliefs? We were at uh, Ohio State Reformatory about, what was it, a year ago? A little over a year ago. A little over a year ago. And, uh, you know, to set this up, I need to say I've been I've been ghost hunting for nearly 20 years. And in that time, I've seen some very strange things. Uh, I've heard some strange things. But I've never been what I would say is is harmed. Okay. I've never had these, you know, one of the big things that happens to people is, you know, somebody gets scratched in a in a in a building and it's, you know, oh my God, I, I've got scratched, it's a demon, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing like that's ha- has ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Until Ohio State Reformatory. <laughs> Ohio State Reformatory, I mean, a lot of people recognize it from you know, Shawshank Redemption. It's it's a place that uh, I, I can say I really do truly believe is haunted. I think there's stuff going on there. Uh, I think it's really active. But this night, we had... Uh, this uh, special guest that was there and his name was uh, Michael and he was a former inmate when the place was still running. And he said, I want to take you guys to a place that most people don't go. I'm going to take you to the chair room. And he said, there's something in the chair room. It's an entity. And we, you know, we know each other. And so we're like, okay, yeah, absolutely. We're not going to pass this up. So we follow this guy upstairs to this windowless room that they think might have been used for uh, like almost uh, was uh, like Masonic, uh, Masonic rituals, rituals yeah. at one point. It's wow. shaped shaped like an octagon. Yeah, there's no windows in it. It's it's a very and it's also the very center point of the entire of the building. Building. Mm. Okay. And right in the middle of the room was this big old wooden chair. And as we walked into the room, it was me and there was almost half a dozen people in the room with us. He walks up to this chair and he kicks it with his foot and he slides it across the room and he starts to yell at this entity. And I'm I'm definitely not a guy who likes to go into places to provoke these things. Like I said, I don't like to make enemies, particularly paranormal ones. <laughs> and he walks in, he starts yelling at this stuff, and I'm just watching it happen. And then all of a sudden... I feel somebody push me. And this is going on at a ghost hunting event. There were 200 people, if not more. And I thought, oh, it's just another ghost hunter trying to trying to get by me. Uh, I turned around. There's just a wall behind me. I, so I have no idea what just happened. But somebody definitely pushed me. They pushed me as, as if they were trying to get by in a hurry. And so I told everybody. I noted what happened. And about five minutes later, I start to feel this intense burning sensation on my back, uh, right where I was pushed. Uh, again, I just as calmly as I can, I say, 
my back feels like it's on fire. I, I don't know what's happening here. And Mike turns and he looks at me and he says, you got tagged. I said, what do you mean? And he said, it happens all the time. He's like, you got scratched. And he's like, lift up your shirt. And I'm at the time I was wearing a leather jacket. I tried to figure out, did I rub against something? And you have to remember to also, I was filming the entire Oh, yeah. Thing. This this whole thing's on film. So literally oh, okay, from the okay. beginning to, the, I think from the moment we enter the room to the moment we leave the room, there's a full cut of the whole thing. And the moment that Greg gets sort of pushed is actually on film. Yeah, it's full view. Like, you can tell there's no shenanigans. Uh, and again, there's there's half a dozen people in here watching all this happen. And uh, I pull up my my jacket, my shirt, and there are these three long red marks that go all the way down my back. And everybody starts freaking out. And I'm 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 trying to figure out what in the world happened. Did I did I scratch myself on something? The weirdest part about these scratches, though, which I've come to find is is pretty common in a lot of people who I, I whose cases I truly do think. Are, are genuine. They weren't actually scratches. These were raised marks, uh, almost as if someone had come up and slapped you across the back really hard, mm, uh, like, like a welt. welt. Yeah, yeah, like a welt. Felt almost like a burn. So the skin wasn't broken. There was no blood. And within an hour, hour and a half after I'd left the building, they were gone, completely gone, no trace. It's, I, I mean, I, I, I roll this over in my head over and over and over to try and figure out what this could have been, how this could have happened. And uh, and we've been back since then and, and have nothing, n- nothing. No, I don't even really? get it. I don't even get it. And, and the weird thing was like I wasn't even getting a weird feeling when I was in there before when 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 all of it was going down. Hmm. I was mostly wigged out because of how standard. upset this guy was getting and how aggressive he was getting while he was riling this thing up. I didn't feel anything supernatural happening. I, I you know, I'm, I'm psychic as a rock, but <laughs> I, I, you know, everybody knows when you're in a, a weird situation, the hair stands up on your neck and you feel a little strange. I didn't feel any of that. It just came out of nowhere. And uh, I've not felt it. I've not felt it there since. So I don't know exactly what happened, but it was, it was the, one of the strangest things that's ever happened to me. Wow. Dana, Dana, have you had an experience anywhere close to that where something physically attacked you? I don't, I mean, I've, I've felt like tugs on my clothing and maybe my hair. And I mean, a few of those times they've been in a kind of really terrifying situations where I've been by myself, but I've never, I've never been scratched or pushed or, or what I felt, you know, would be like harmed. I've never experienced anything like that. So even for me, like watching this thing kind of unfold. I think I'm the most hysterical person in the video because I was like, I'm like trying to film everything. And then I'm worried about him. Like, I'm like, Oh, he just got like literally this huge scratch down his back. So yeah, no, it was, it was very over. It was an incredibly overwhelming experience because it came out of nowhere and none of us could explain what happened. Um, But no, luckily, I mean, I've never had anything like that happen to me personally. And I hate yeah. to keep circling back to your home, but it's fascinating what you guys go through at your house and the whole TV on at night thing. That's that's fascinating. I hadn't heard that before. So do you guys get your Dana, do you get your hair touched at home? Do you get little taps or is there anything like that going on at your house? I, yeah, I mean, we do experience. I, we just recently, I think it was like two nights ago, both of us thought we saw something and <laughs> it was at different times. And we, we kind of like, you know, came together and said, what did it look like? And we sort of were able to say something very similar. Oh, my God. And we had uh, we recently had some friends of ours give us some oh, God, uh, nails yeah. from the Washoe Club. 
And so we we were like, okay, well, this is the newest thing that we've introduced. So let's see. And these were nails that had been thrown. They had been picked up and thrown by by an invisible force. So we thought maybe we as we as we tried to deduce what was going on. Yeah. um, We we think it was the nails, but we did lock them up, and they're in the they're they're locked away, and we have not experienced anything like that since then. So. So you like, both is, thought it was the fly, it was the nails that were flying around. Something about yeah, the nails because because we hadn't had them cool. out and on display before uh, before all yeah. before we started to both see the same thing, and so after that we we put them back. Wow. But I mean, there's always there's always something. We just got a we just got a, a drum that was oh. used to conjure loa in voodoo ceremonies, and uh, this was given <laughs> to our to us by our friend John Tenney. He literally handed Unreal. it to me and said, "Don't ever play this." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I like just stood there holding it in my hand, like I I don't even want to be holding this. Right? right You're now. like I John. Mean, don't worry, I will not play this ever. <laughs> we have yeah. a special box for this thing, yes. where we keep it locked up, and yet uh, we will be sitting in the living room, and we will hear it play right between us. Yeah, I, I, it was like two weeks ago. I it literally heard a drum play about a foot in front of my face and there was nothing. Oh, I mean, and it, it's not, it was, it was, there was no way to mistake what it was. And it was just, it was like, do do do. Yeah. And it always does the same thing. Like do 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 do. And we tried some experiments with it. Uh, oh, two weeks God. ago where we played uh, like drum circle. traditional voodoo yeah. like drum beats and the and it was actually heating up like it, it was the temperature was rising oh my god on Lord. the actual drum itself yeah so, so wow. there's something there's something with that drum i mean the the story behind it was it actually belonged to a family uh that was deeply into voodoo and uh, they would use it to conjure up the loa but they started to get an entity that they called criminal, the arm twister. And he would come in uninvited quite often. So the first drum, they they actually sank to the bottom of the Detroit River. And this was the second drum they'd used. And it started to happen the same exact way. And they just abandoned it at a, uh, a, a one of Detroit's biggest like magic uh, ritual shops where you get ritual ingredients. And uh, that's actually – she was a friend of, of our, our friend Tenny. And uh, he'd been in the the magic shop recently, and they said, you know, your friend left this thing here, and she has not come back to get it in years. Uh, you want to take it? And uh, it, <laughs> he was actually even telling us that the spot where he was storing the drum, <laughs> the drum was uh, was starting to act up. Come on! And the reason he gave it to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And it so, reacts yeah, to when you play like something from YouTube, a voodoo. Oh yeah, voodoo well, yeah. Or something. Up, like, traditional voodoo drum beats, oh, and no. we started to play it. And I mean, you could watch it. We were watching it on a Fleer heat up oh, while this yeah. while this drumming and was even going to on. The touch, like you could. Oh yeah, you could feel. feel you could feel off. it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. It was like a physical reaction. Um, it wasn't yeah, just absolutely. from a meter. Uh, now we just have to like not play it because it's so tempting. Have you ever? Have you ever once just thumped it? Just once, Greg. Uh, he, you know what he did? Oh, cannot even believe. And he this did is this. probably why it was playing too. <laughs> he 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 was talking about it, and he he took his finger and like gestured to it, and uh-huh. it went and he tapped the top oh, dump, of the drum. Dump. And I, the second you did it, like accidentally, I, I, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, "You lit, you just played the drum. Like, what are you doing?" You're like, "Damn it, no, Greg! It doesn't count. It doesn't count. He, I didn't technically play it. He, he touched it. I don't know if it works that in way in a rith- rhythm, rhythm kind of way. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I, I hazard to learn, say, Greg? you guys have, what yeah, right. Touch the don't drums. touch the items. 
I was just going to say, every time you get an item, you must get used to hearing, don't ever dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. The one we hear the most is, this is my favorite, is, it's your problem now. <laughs> oh, God. That's You're like, thanks, bro. It's your problem That's now. <laughs> what, is there, like, one item out there that you, you just want so bad? You know... Ooh. The way that I look at it is I, I try not to have any expectations about that kind of thing because I feel like the longer we do this, the more things just kind of find their way to us yeah. in strange ways. Mm-hmm. So we, we get what we're supposed to have. Uh, and so I try not yeah. to put out – again, I really do think that most everything that we experience in the paranormal and I think that a lot of this has to do – with with all facets of of anything that could be considered paranormal you know bigfoot even you know things like alien abduction i think a lot of this stuff depends on your will and your intent and you draw things to you i really do believe that you draw things to you and i try to be very careful about my intentions so when it comes to things like haunted objects i i I try not to think too much about what i wish i had Mm -hmm. uh because it doesn't really it doesn't really work that way. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we get what is supposed to mm-hmm. find us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we consider ourselves more as caretakers of these objects, not owners. We're just the caretakers. And if we can help whatever's attached to them in some way, shape or form, then, you know, that's what we want to do. But yeah, I don't know. We get what we need to have, I guess. Well, I would just like to say you are probably one of the ballsiest couples in Ohio and probably have one of the coolest houses. So I just have to say that I didn't know about all the other stuff going on. Very, um, very, very cool. Uh, Where is the best place for folks to find you? And please tell everyone about the live feed and the best place to find that as well. Yeah, if people are interested in the Traveling Museum or they want to come and see this for themselves, we do events uh, all over the country uh, uh, every month at least. Uh, They can find out dates, uh, more about the items, more about us at paramuseum.com. There's a link there where they can go check out a 24-7 live camera that we run. It has uh, like a K2 meter that's set up. We switch out the objects. We do live EVP sessions where people can ask their questions and we'll, we'll ask them to the objects and we play them back live. Uh, little experiments and things like that. Uh, and if they, you know, if they want to read some of the articles about some of the adventures we've gone on, they can go to weekinweird.com. And then finally, if they just are interested in in Dana and I, they can go to weirdhq.com. Greg and Dana, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, it's been uh, it's been long overdue. And as yeah. you guys know, if I hear of any interesting haunted items, I will immediately try to send them your way. <laughs> Oh my so gosh. Thank you. We had so much fun. Yes, thank you guys thank so you much so for having much. us. Yeah, you guys yes. have a good night. Tell Ohio, not hell. I said hell somehow. I, Ohio's <laughs> not hell. That just Freudian Freudian slip. Slip. It yeah. was. It really yeah, was. Kill hell our pets. <laughs> you say you do. <laughs> Tell hell hello for me. No. <laughs> All of Ohio hello. Too. Yeah, right? Yeah, if, if the crone has its way, huh? <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. Again, to learn more about everything that Greg and Dana Newkirk are up to, visit weirdhq.com. All past episodes of Somewhere in the Skies, news, articles, and contests, and contact information can all be found at the official website, somewhereintheskies.com. We're on Twitter, at Somewhere Skies, and Instagram, at Somewhere Skies Pod. Please be sure to check out the official Somewhere in the Skies store with all different types of UFO-themed merchandise. Visit tpublic.com and search for Somewhere in the Skies. 
That's T-E-E-Public.com. Last but not least, if you'd like to become a Patreon subscriber to the show, you receive many different rewards for different levels of monthly contributions. You'll help the show grow in quality and quantity and get so much in return. To learn more and to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash summer skies. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.